0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Well, we started teaching on our vision. We have it posted out there on the wall. Know Jesus, experience grace, build relationships and live with purpose. And, you know, the ultimate goal of the gospel is to know Jesus. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection being made conformable to his death. The writer of Hebrews says, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest. And they will not need that a man teach them, so on and so forth, but they'll know from their spirit, from their inward realm. And so the greatest goal, really, of the gospel is to know Jesus. And then as a result of knowing that, we make him known. The second thing we begin to talk about is experiencing grace. And we began last week talking about seven different aspects of experiencing grace. I love this verse In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, Paul says, But I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, for I labored more abundantly than they all. And so we begin to talk about grace, and really as we define grace, the Greek word charis, there's three meanings. The first one is divine favor or unmerited favor. I like to call that saving grace. The grace by which we have been saved. The second aspect is uh, Strong's defines the Greek word charis as the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. Praise God. And I like to say that's changing grace because the grace that saved you will change you and you're being conformed to the image of Jesus who is the embodiment of grace. He is the grace of God. But the third aspect is equipping grace and that's what Paul talks about right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says, I am what I am. I am who I am by the grace of God. In other words, we couldn't be who we are, do what we do. We couldn't be all that God wants us to, to be without the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. We have defined grace As God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves in the person of Jesus when he died and rose again. Amen. So grace is all of those things. It's divine favor, divine influence, and divine ability. It is also saving grace, changing grace, and equipping grace. So we begin to talk about seven aspects of how the grace of God Uh, is revealed in our life. The first one that we talked about is we're saved by grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, "'For by grace are you saved through faith.'" Praise God, it takes the grace of God and it takes faith to be saved. You gotta believe what God did in the person of Jesus. Amen? The second aspect we talked about is growing in grace. 2 Peter 3 verse 18 says, "'But grow in the grace and in the knowledge "'of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.'" We don't want to just get saved and be stuck. A lot of the body of Christ got saved, and they're just stuck. But God wants you to grow in grace. The third aspect is ministering through grace. We minister to other people through the grace of God. And in uh, Galatians chapter 3, Paul asks a question in verse 2. He said, how did you receive the Spirit, or how did you get saved? By the hearing of faith or the works of the law. Course you know the answer is by grace through the hearing of faith we heard the gospel and believed it then he goes a little bit farther in verse 5 and he says well he that ministers and works miracles among you does he do that by the hearing of faith or by the works of the law and again the answer is by the hearing of faith in other words grace uh, accomplishes everything from your salvation to the end of your ministry your life here on earth with God it's all by grace then we talked about how we receive the promises. We receive the promises by grace. See, a lot of people think you get saved by grace and then you have to work to earn everything else. Well, that works against you because if you're justified by the law, cross Christ will profit you nothing, Galatians 5.2 says. But Romans 5.2 says we have access by faith into grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So if you see grace as this giant storehouse, With everything in it that you'll ever need and more, has everything, absolutely, and it's full. But to access it, you've got to take the key. He says, we have access by faith, and you open the door through faith into grace, into all the promises of God. You see, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that all the promises of God in Christ, in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. In other words, when God sent Jesus to the cross, He said yes to your forgiveness. He said yes to your peace. He said yes to your healing. He said yes to your financial and physical provision. Amen? That's grace, but then when you hear the gospel and believe it, you're saying, amen. Amen. Praise God, and that puts it all together. All the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. Now, we're gonna go on today, because I didn't get done last week, and we're gonna continue to talk about what grace does in our life. One of the other things, that grace causes us to overcome. Well, what do we need to overcome in the Christian life? Well, one area that we overcome is the area of sin. And Paul actually in Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says this, he says, if by one man or Adam's transgression, offense, death reigned by one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. We went from the reign of sin and death to the reign of grace and righteousness, by faith in Jesus. Amen? Faith in his grace, right? Now, when we did that, it changes how we live, right? And the next three chapters of Romans tell us how we live as those, right, who have come, left the reign of sin and death, come into the realm of grace and righteousness by faith in Jesus. He says, first of all, we're dead to sin in Romans 6. Romans 7, he says, we're dead to the law, In Romans 8, he says, we have brand new life in the Spirit. So that's how we live. We live a victorious life. Now, in Romans 6, when he's talking about being dead to sin, he says there's four reasons that we don't live in sin. We're dead to it. We're free from it. We have authority over it, and it'll kill you. Sin is just stupid any way you cut it. Romans 6, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right? So, you know, God has great gifts, his great things for you through grace, but you don't want to live in sin, right? As believers, you want to live victoriously. And one way that you uh, overcome sin is through grace. And right in the middle of that, when he's talking about we have authority over it, he says in Romans 6, verse 12, he says, let not sin reign therefore in your mortal body to obey it in the lusts thereof. He says in verse 13, neither yield, don't surrender your members, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your body, don't surrender your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves to God. So if sin comes along, you don't surrender, right? You resist it. The Bible actually says this, submit yourselves to God, therefore resist the devil, and he'll flee from you so if sin comes along you resist it right but he says neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness sin but he says yield yourselves to God so if righteousness comes along if God comes along you say I surrender I'm going this direction amen the direction you want me to go he says as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God amen So my eyes are Jesus' eyes. My hands are Jesus' hands. My ears are Jesus' ears. My feet are Jesus' feet. Amen? I have a good friend. He wrote a song. He actually sent me a message the other day on Facebook. He's from Nashville, Tennessee. And and he's a great songwriter and guitar player. And he wrote a song and said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've never heard a sweeter story. Your hands are Jesus' hands. Your feet are Jesus' feet. What a revelation. Jesus lives in you and me. Marvelous revelation. Amen. If you get that revelation, it'll liberate you. It'll help the way that you live your life. So he says, don't surrender to sin, but surrender to God. Then he says this, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. In other words, grace gives you authority to stand against sin. When I came to Doctor Lester Sumrall's school, I was 23 years old. When I went there to Bible school, in just a few, just a, a short time, I got a revelation that just like I have authority in the realm of you know peace and have authority over anxiety, just like I have authority in the area of healing, I have health and have authority over sickness. Praise God! Just like I have authority in the realm of financial provision, praise God. I I have authority in that realm, praise God. And I have authority over poverty. I have authority over sin. And I'm not going to let sin reign in my mortal body. I'm not going to let my body drive me. I'm not going to let my flesh, right, get out of control. You know, some people say, well, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do nothing as a believer. Praise God. You have authority over sin. I'll tell you, a teaching that I hate in the in the and it's really mostly in the charismatic church and and you don't hear much about it anymore thank god but it's a teaching on generational curses that is nothing but a lie that is a bunch of garbage Because I I have a question for you. I I had this young man, it's Lester Sumrall's grandson. He's telling me, yeah, my daddy had a generational curse and I got a problem and my daddy had his problem and, and, and my granddaddy, now listen, I knew his daddy and I knew his daddy had some problems and I knew his granddaddy, but his granddaddy didn't have those problems. And you know what that was? That teaching on generational curses is just a sorry excuse to let the devil have a heyday in your life you got authority over all the works of the devil. Praise God. If I cussed, it's because I cussed. God didn't make me cuss. The devil didn't make me cuss. I cussed. Praise God. If I committed adultery, it's not because the devil made me do it. It's because I let my flesh get out of control you got to take authority over your flesh. Right? So, quit blaming the devil. Praise God. Go look in the mirror and take authority over the works of the devil. Praise God. So, we have authority over... Sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law but under grace. The devil is not what he used to be. Jesus defeated him at the cross. Praise God, and you can walk in the victory that Jesus won. You have authority over all the works of the devil. Glory to God. The second one is, grace helps us overcome in walking out the plan and the purpose of God. And I want you to turn with me to Zechariah chapter 4, and let's look at this scripture. Zechariah chapter 4, we'll read verse 6 through 10. Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become a plain, and he will bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, And his hands will finish it. You shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who has despised the day of small things? For they will rejoice and see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. With those seven, they are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro throughout all the earth. So, what had happened? There was a Persian king, his name was Cyrus. And he gave an edict. He gave a command that the children of Israel would rebuild the temple of God. And so they went there and they began to to build. But then there were some Babylonians. How many of you know there's always some Babylonian when you set out to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God? And they began to, and it was an, they began to complain about it. And, and they began to say, there's these bunch of Jews, there are a bunch of rebels, and they're going to build this temple, and they're going to cause rebellion, so on and so forth. And so they commanded them to stop the building of the temple. But by then, Darius was the media Persian king, and Darius, you know, uh, went and he searched the records, and he found out in the records that Cyrus, the Persian king, had given a commandment that the children of Israel rebuild the temple. So he commanded, in between this time, after they commanded them to stop, the prophet of God came, and the prophet of God spoke to the man of God. I love that when a prophet of God speaks to a man of God. And he gave him a word and said, listen, you laid the foundation, and you're going to lay the capstone. You started out this thing, and you're going to finish it. And you know, I've got news. There are some things you started out and and there's been some Babylonian devils have tried to shut you down and shut you up and stop you. But I'm going to tell you that you're going to finish by the grace of God what God called you to start. So don't you give in to those Babylonian devils. Amen. You keep your eyes on Jesus, and you keep your eyes on the Word, and you keep your eyes, you say, it's not me, but it's the grace of God, and by the grace of God, I'm going to finish what I started. Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, when you could read just before that, you can read about it in Ezra chapter three, but in Nehemiah, when they were rebuilding the walls, God sent Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah started out, and guess what? Everybody wasn't happy about what Nehemiah was doing. And so he got started, and there was this guy by the name of Sanballat, and he attacked him in all kinds of different ways. Then he had another person named Tobiah, and Tobiah joined him. Right, And then later, Geshem the Arabian joined them. And so Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem, they were trying to stop Nehemiah from doing what God called him to do. But I love a song that Sharon Doherty, she's the pastor years ago at Victory Christian Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, praise God, with her husband, Billy Joe. Billy Joe was a great man of God. Sharon wrote a song. Don't come down off the wall you are building for the Lord. Don't come down from praying or standing on the word, praise God, because you started out, but you're going to finish what God told you to finish. And so if some Babylonian devil rises up and tries to tell you that you can't do, that you can't complete what God told you to do, you just say, Mr. Devil, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to complete it, praise God. The Lord is the one who called me. The Lord is the one who anointed me. The Lord is the one who appointed me. And I'm not doing this on my own. I'm not doing it by my strength or by my power, but I'm doing it by the grace of God. So you just keep believing the word. You just speak grace grace, and you keep moving into what God called you to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sometimes you know that those devils, they, 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 uh, disguise themselves and they're religious. Like years ago in Kit Carson, Colorado, we had a man, he just, he, Andrew Womack spoke for me and he came from Oklahoma, you know, Southern Oklahoma decided he'd, you know, wanted to move to Kit Carson, which was a miracle that anybody wanted to move to Kit Carson. But he came there, and uh, he, he decided that you know he, he was going to come to our church. He called himself a prophet, so you know he'd kind of blow into church every two or three weeks, and you know once in a while. And then he came into my office one day, in the back of the church, and he sat down, and, and he, he he had to, he you know proceeded to tell me that I should have stayed on the farm, that I was never called to the ministry in the first place. And you know what I did? I said, You shut up and get out of my office right now. He kind of stood up shaking and stumbled out the door. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many of you know I, I felt so embarrassed because I used to be nicer in those days. I've got a little bolder in my old age, you know. Get a little older, you can say things a little more bold. So I don't listen. You know, some of these people, they got eggshells for brains trying to tell you a bunch of the devil's information. And I tell them, it make me mad right now. If you you don't have something good to say, if you don't have something from God, you shut your mouth up and get out of here. Because I'm not going to let, listen, I'm not going to let some nut rinse in my brain. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't let any you know what? Your happiness is not in another person's head. Your happiness is in your relationship with Jesus. So you keep doing what God told you to do and don't let the devil come, you know, rent space in your brain. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you want to get on my bad side, you start acting like that and level devil talking run out your mouth, and I'll tell you right now. Glory to God. Some of these people they don't know their head from the hole in the ground, spiritually speaking. Listen to the wrong voice. Listen to the wrong spirit. There's plenty. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12? There are many voices and none of them are without significance. There's a reason everybody's saying what they're saying, but it's not all true. Amen? So praise God, it takes the grace of God. And and so in between the time they commanded them to stop and the time they restarted and finished, the prophet of God said, listen, you started it out and you're going to finish it. It's going to be by the grace of God. So you keep speaking grace to your mountain and you keep going forward every day. Keep living by faith and doing what God called you to do. So grace will help you overcome sin. It'll help you overcome attacks to the purpose and the plan of God. It'll also help you to overcome demonic attacks. Sometimes they are, you know, I don't believe there's a demon behind every bush, but sometimes there's demonic attacks. If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul had a demonic attack. And he says this in verse 7 through verse 10. He says, unless I would be exalted above measure... Through an abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And he says exactly what the thorn in the flesh was. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. It was a demonic attack. Sometimes people trying to say all kind of stuff, you know, came from God. No, it was a demonic attack. He says, lest I would be exalted above measure. For this thing, he said, I asked the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, listen to what he said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now I want to tell you what Paul did not say, what Jesus did not say to Paul. Jesus did not say to Paul, Paul, suffer with it. And the context proves it out. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, he said, Paul, learn to rely on my grace. It's kind of like blessings and miracles. Right when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he brought them out by a strong arm and a mighty hand. Miraculous power. And they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And it took a miracle six days a week, amen, for 40 years to feed over 2 million people every day. They had manna and quail every day. It took a miracle to feed them. Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes didn't wear. For 40 years, God provided for them by a miracle in the wilderness. And I've had times that we've had miracles, and I thank God for miracles. I love miracles. But then it says in Joshua, when the children of Israel entered into the promised land, they ate of the old corn of the land. And when they went back into the promised land, when they went back into their home, guess what? They had to go to work. They had to plow. They had to plant. They had to harvest. But they began to live in the blessing of God rather than live in miracle land. Paul said, I had a demonic attack, and I wanted a miracle. I wanted this thing to be gone right now. And I asked Jesus to remove it, and he didn't. But he did not say, Paul, suffer with it. He said, Paul, you learn how to rely on my grace, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now listen to what he goes on to say, and this will prove to you what I'm telling you. He says, most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my weaknesses. I will glory in my infirmities. I will glory when I'm challenged. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Jesus wasn't saved, Paul suffered with. He said, you learn to rely on my grace. You learn to rely on the spirit of God that's on the inside of you. You learn to rely on my anointing. And he said, he said this, he said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. James says it this way He says, Count it all joy when you fall into different kind of troubles. Well, how can you count it all joy when you fall into different kinds of troubles if you don't know what's on the other side of the trouble? But you know what? If you know what's on the other side of that trouble, it says this in the Bible. It says, at destruction and famine, you shall laugh. Listen, God told Joseph... He said, there's getting ready to be seven years of tremendous abundance. But following these seven years of tremendous abundance, there's going to be seven years of famine like the world has never seen. And so here's what you need to tell Pharaoh to do. You find a man who can take up 20% of the land in the good years. And then when you get in the bad years, it'll sustain you. So, guess what? When the famine came, Joseph could laugh at the famine because he piled up corn and piled up corn and piled up corn. They thought he was crazy. Corn was worth a nickel a bushel or something like that. And he probably had billions of bushels of corn. But when the famine came, Joseph opened the storehouses. And first of all, he got all the people's money, and then he bought all their livestock, and then he bought all them, and then he... he (laughs) First of all, he got the money, he got the livestock, he got the land, and then he had them go to work for Pharaoh. He said, by the way, just give Pharaoh 20%, which is very generous as a landlord. (laughs) Joseph was a very... But he could laugh at the famine because he knew what was on the other side. Praise God, and if you got inside information, praise God, you can count it all joy when you fall into a different kind of trouble because you know, hey, there's victory on the other side of this, amen? Praise God, hallelujah, there's victory. I'm gonna come through this. I've had God tell me when I'm going through a great uh, you know, difficulty and challenge, he'd tell me, Lawson, if you make it through the famine, you'll make it to the feast, and we've made it. Hallelujah. And you know what? We're living in the blessing. I thank God for miracles. I love miracles. God was working some miracles today. Woo, glory to God. I thank God for miracles. But listen, guys, you know what? I love the blessing. And I believe, praise God, we can just be blessed and just live in the blessing all the time. And so he says, I glory in infirmities. I glory in challenges that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, and persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For though, when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, I learn how to rest in the grace of God. I learn how to rest in the finished work of Jesus. I learn how to rely on Jesus. And I know that he's going to bring me through. Now, if you think you got trouble, because some people think, well, yeah, I got trouble. Nobody got trouble like I got trouble. Listen, Jesus was tempted in all points like you were yet without sin. And if you just go back a chapter and read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 28, Paul talks about some of the problems he faced doing the will of God. He said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more. In labors more abundant." in stripes above measure, in prisons more free. You know what? If Paul wouldn't have been in prison so often, we probably wouldn't have about a, half of the New Testament because <laughs> that's the only time he slowed down enough to record it all. <laughs> he says this. I know about that. He says, of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. Jesus got it once. Paul got it five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. You know, what they stoned Paul and left him for dead. Do You know, I think I could tell if somebody's dead. And the disciples gathered around him and prayed and raised him up from the dead. And you know what he did? He got up. You can read about it in Acts 13 and 14. He got up, went right back to where he came from, right back to where they just got done stoning him and for the gospel and he preached the gospel and he went back to the next town where they run him out of town and he preached the gospel and he went back to the next town where they run him out of town and he preached the gospel. He said, you guys may think you get me down, but Jesus raised me up. There ain't no devil gonna keep me out of where Jesus wants me to go. Keep me from doing what Jesus wants me to do. There's not one in hell, glory to God. And so he just kept going for Jesus. Now, he said, "I, I... I suffered shipwreck three times a night and day. I've been in the deep. That's treading water a long time. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, my own people, (laughs) in perils of the heathen. Have there perils from the heathen? Sometimes, you know, heathen people just react. I'll tell it once in a while, heathen people react to me, different places, different things. I tell Barbara, I said, what did I do wrong? She said, nothing I know of. Now, usually Barbara knows what I do wrong. She can usually tell me. <laughs> nothing I know of. She said, just something in their spirit don't like what's in your spirit. You've got a different spirit in you. But he says, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the city, in perils among false brethren, we got some saying one thing, doing another. I told Javier about some of these people in the ministry in the city, I said, listen, if you took him out to Kit Carson, I pastored in Kit Carson for 13 years. And I was down there recently preaching a funeral. And guess what? The Catholics were hugging me and crying, and the Methodists were hugging me and crying, and the Lutherans were hugging me and crying, and the Pentecostals were hugging me and crying. You know why? Because when we lived in Kit Carson, we preached the gospel, and we lived the gospel and I told Javier, some of these people around here think they're getting by with this stuff and they're not really getting by with it. If they went to Kit Carson, they'd run them out of town. They'd tar them and feather them and run them out of town on a rail. And so I said, Javier, we don't only preach the gospel, we live the gospel. You need to live what you preach. Amen? Now, some people don't like nothing. You can't please some people. But anyway, just go on. But he he said, I've been in all kind of trouble, all kind of people, all kind of difficulty. He said, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are on the outside, the difficulty I've dealt with, that which comes on me, the care of all the churches. i got to take care of all these people. I've been taking care of a lot of people. Praise God, and we're going to take care of more and more people going to do what God called us to do. Amen? But Paul talks about all these difficulties and challenges. Do you know what? He faced more challenge than most of us. So don't you been whining about your problem because Jesus was tempted in all points like you were, yet without sin. Amen? And there is grace for that. Amen? So the grace of God helps us overcome sin, obstacles the plan of God, demonic attacks, all the above. Amen? But the grace of God also helps it. it will help us through eternity. You see, grace is an eternal thing when you think about it. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It says that in Revelation 13 verse 8. Before the foundation of the world, there was grace. There was a plan. When Adam sinned in the garden 4,000 years before Christ and Eve sinned, God came made the first promise of redemption. The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. The serpent will bruise his heel. Then he covered them. He clothed them with coats of skin. He covered their nakedness. He covered their exposure. How many of you are glad that God is covering your sin and your exposure? 2,000 years later in in the life of Abraham, he said, your seed, in your seed, I'm going to change the nation. Hallelujah. All the nations of the world are going to be blessed through your seed. Galatians chapter 3, I think it's verse 8, it says, God preached the gospel, preached the, the grace of God to Abraham. Then in David, about a thousand years B.C., look at this scripture, Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. He says this, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. He forgave all your sins, and he's not imputing sin to you. That's amazing. And in whose spirit there is no deceit, no God. You know what David was prophesying about what we have? That's grace. Before the foundation of the world, 4,000 B.C. In Adam, 2,000 B.C. To Abraham, 1,000 B.C. And David, then when Jesus was born, the angel Gabriel came to Joseph, and he said, You shall call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. That's grace. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was the embodiment of grace. When he died, he cried out on the cross, it is finished. That's grace. But you know what? We live in grace. There's grace to come. Let me show you this. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And actually Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says something like this. He raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show to us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness to us, toward us in Christ Jesus. Thank God we've got grace for eternity. Now, read 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll start reading verse 3. He says this, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that's undefiled, incorruptible, fades not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I like to say we're kept by the grace of God through faith. Because you understand grace releases his power. If you read Acts 4, you can see that. He says we're kept by the power of God or by the grace of God through faith to salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So salvation's past, present, and future. Wherein you greatly rejoice. We rejoice in salvation, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through many difficulties, temptations, troubles. That the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus. Whom having not seen you love, in whom though you see him not, yet you believe and you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. You see, you believe, you rejoice, and you receive. Of which salvation, he says, the prophets inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come to you. The prophets prophesied of the grace that we've received in Jesus Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which is in them signified and testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things that are now reported to you by those who preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which ain't the things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, in verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. See, that's grace for eternity. Amen? Eternity past to eternity future. And we got right in the middle of it when we received Jesus. Isn't that marvelous? There's one more thing. There's grace for fruitfulness. And in Philippians chapter 1, if you want to go there really quickly, I'm going to read four or five verses really quickly. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. On the way, Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says this. He says, I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to the end that you might be established. The only way we're really going to help people is if we impart to them spiritual things, amen, so that they might be established. Now, he says in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, being confident of this very thing that he who started a work good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ even as it is sufficient for me to think of you all because I've, i have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel you are partakers of my grace you're partakers of my gift For God is my record how long I long after you with the heart of Jesus. And this I pray that your love would abound more in knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Jude says that he's able to keep you from falling. Amen, isn't it marvelous? Being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and the praise of God of God. Thank God for the grace of God. It saved us. We grow in it. We minister through it. We receive the promises through it. It helps us to overcome sin, helps us overcome the attack of the devil. Amen. Helps us to overcome. Amen. In every area attacks to our purpose, God's purpose and plan in our life. We have grace throughout eternity and grace ultimately will help us bear fruit. Thank God for the grace. We want people to experience the grace of Jesus. Amen? It's for us, it's in us, it works through us, and it's on us. Thank God for the grace of God. Love you all. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.